What's going on, guys? Zane here with Everything Vibe. I want to welcome you back for another episode. As promised, we are here with our next interview, and I know this took a little bit longer to get to you guys than we wanted, but it is here. We are excited to share it with you, and it is with Phil Smith of Ionize Studios, and they are the game studio that brings us all, or that brought us all, Iron Wolf VR. And we've talked about this on a previous game talk. Uh, I, I believe I was the one that that brought it up, and it is it's a lot of fun, especially in multiplayer. Uh, you're in a submarine, old school, like World War One, World War Two kind of feel. Uh, it makes excellent use of room scale, and I just it's got such a great feel to it. It's it's got a unique multiplayer aspect because everybody has a different role, and uh, we've had a lot of fun with it. Damon, myself, and Ronnie have actually all jumped into several games together, and we're having a blast. And we're we're hoping that by highlighting it here, uh, you know. Anybody who's on the fence about getting it uh, will jump in and, and really improve that player base and uh, make it even that much more fun. So before we get into it, though, just a couple of quick housekeeping items. Uh, the first is Happy May. We are here, uh, and this is the first episode of this month in which we promise to give away a Steam gift card. Uh, and so it's going to be worth 20 bucks. and the winner is... Homiwala, and I just pulled it out of a hat. Uh, we actually put everybody who entered in, uh, and it was just randomly drawn right now. But Homiwala, we'll we'll be contacting you uh, through the email that you sent us. But if you hear this, uh, you can go ahead and celebrate and and get in touch with us uh, if we don't reach out to you before then. But for anybody who is interested, we are doing this on a ongoing basis. It is a monthly drawing, so all you have to do to enter is leave us an our review on iTunes. Hopefully, a good one. But you know, be honest. We just want to get your feedback. And, and want to help the, the podcast grow. And from there, uh, just send us a screenshot of that review to contact at everythingvive.com and there'll be info in the show notes. And so once you send that to us, we'll get you entered in and you will be eligible to receive a $20 Steam gift card, uh, which we will draw at the beginning of every month and announce the winner on, on that corresponding episode. So Long-winded, I'm almost done. We're gonna get into the interview shortly, but before that I have more good news, and that is we are giving away three Steam keys for Iron Wolf VR, courtesy of the, the great guys at INI Studios. So to enter into that, and this is a different competition, this is just for the Steam key giveaways. Uh, to enter into that, there's a corresponding YouTube episode for this. So no matter what you're listening on, iTunes, Stitcher, just go to YouTube. If you're already on YouTube, then hey, you're in the right spot. But it's going to be episode number 67. Uh, leave a comment. And I believe uh, what we wanted to do is uh, get your favorite submarine movie. So leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of the interview. Leave your favorite submarine movie. And uh, yeah, we'll keep the discussion going on there. And on our next episode, I will make sure to announce all of the winners. And like I said, there's three of them. So you have a good chance or a better chance than if there's only one key. And uh, like I said, it's a, it's a really fun game, especially the multiplayer is really coming along well with the, uh, the number of players that are starting to uh, discover the game. So that being said, long-winded intro is over. We are going to jump right into this episode and I won't even preface it. We go into everything uh, about the game and about Phil and uh, INI Studios. So Hope you guys enjoy the episode, and here we go. Phil, how's it going, man? Good, thank you. How are you, Zane? Doing fantastic. So we got a we got a full house here today. I'm here with Ronnie. Ronnie, how's it going? It's going great. And we got Damon as well. Damon, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. 
Awesome. And of course, we got the man of the hour, Phil. We have so many questions about Iron Wolf. Uh, we, the three of us have been playing together, and uh, I mean, it's probably one of the coolest multiplayer games out there just in how unique it is. And uh, I think one of the first questions that we were talking about was, uh, do, you, I, do you have like a, a passion for World War II or that time period? Like, how did this game come about? And, you know, I guess where, where was the focus uh, and, you know, what's the story behind it? Yeah, so I think initially we were, we were working through ideas that we thought would work well with current VR tech. So one of the key issues we felt with um, VR tech is locomotion, essentially. Um, so the first thing that really appealed to us about submarine game was that we'd be able to do a locomotion technique that didn't require teleporting all the time, which yeah, in some quick arcade games, it works really well, but for something like a submarine game, you want sort of slower pace, immersive, you know, it doesn't make you feel like a, um, superhuman, but instead, you know, you're there experiencing it as you would, um, as a human being, I guess. So that was kind of <laughs> what appealed to us with it. Um, so, I mean, equally we'd played World War II games in the past and, you know, Silent Hunter and games like that. Um, but I wouldn't say that the overriding thing was to make a submarine game. It was more that we felt, okay, this can work really, really well with the current VR tech. Very cool. And, and I guess just to, to piggyback off of that a little bit, um, I, you know, one of the things that works so well in the game, like you mentioned, is the fact that because you're in a closed environment within the submarine, you're able to use, you know, each level of the submarine, including the deck as, you know, kind of a self-contained room scale, you know, square experience. So the player really knows, you know, it's, you don't even have to think about it. You're just going from place to place, you know, level to level. Um, but one of the things I, I noticed right away was, you know, it felt right when you were up on the deck, you could tell you were moving, but at the same time, you know, there wasn't the kind of sweat, like one of the things I was worried about, you know, before I tried the game was thinking, man, am I going to get sick being on a submarine? You know, is it going to be shaky? Is it going to be, and I noticed you, you guys made the decision not to have, you know, the, you know, the, the waves kind of rocking the I was just kind of curious if you guys had ever tried, you know, implementing anything like that. And if it just was completely infeasible or, you know, kind of, I, I was just curious. Yeah. I'm, we didn't want a slow swaying motion because I'm both myself and Aaron, um, the other developer on Iron Wolf, we're both quite um, susceptible to motion sickness. Mm. Um, so any sort of slow motion like that, we just felt would be, um, too much on the motion sickness front. Um, yeah. He wants to make it as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, so it's a sort of a compromise there between the reality and what we thought would work well in virtual reality. Okay, very good. No, I, I think you guys made the right decision because it. Yeah, I I can't imagine like going. You know, once things get kind of frantic, you're moving around so much. I think any kind of swing would really throw people off. But I, I was just kind of curious, so. Yeah, and uh, so well, you mentioned Aaron. Uh, I we should go ahead and mention uh, I and I Studios is uh, the studio, which is you guys. But I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about uh, yourself, introduce Aaron, and maybe what you guys contributed to the project and how how I and I Studios came about. Okay, so I mean, I and I Studios is is myself and Aaron. Um, so our background is we went to school together many years ago. I mean, oh, 15 years ago now, going back. Um, we both went off. We've had different careers in um, various bits of uh, computing industry. And I think when the DK2 came out, we both picked one up and we were playing with little hobby projects and really enjoying it. Then um, we saw the vibe, the track controllers, and we were like, yeah, we want to we want to make a game for this. And that was at the point we started the company and um, ended up making Iron Wolf. 
And I, I guess, uh, how long did it take, you know, from initial idea to whenever you guys released on early access? I know it came out a little while ago, but, uh, you know, what was that, what was that process like? And, uh, how, I guess, okay. So I'm asking a lot of questions, but <laughs> here's the main one. Uh, when, when did you reach a point where, where you realized that, okay, this is ready now for early access? You know, what had you included in the game at that point that you were like, okay, we're ready to show this to the world and start getting feedback and how long kind of was that process and what was it like for you? Yes, I think from starting to releasing on early access was about 10 months of working every spare hour we had in the day. Um, and really what we wanted to do for early access was release something that was pretty polished. Um, so we spent about, I think, about two months polishing, polishing the features we had um, because we really just wanted to get feedback from what we had in the game and then use that to drive how we move it forward. Um, so we... <laughs> I wouldn't say minimal experience, but we felt it was exactly what we needed for people to get into the game, have some fun, and also to be able to start, you know, giving us ideas and talking about, um, you know, the future of the game and which bits we should focus on um, for moving forward. Just kind of curious, when you're developing a multiplayer game, uh, how much how much focus do you put on just you know player to player interaction versus trying to find a way to make an engaging single player in case, you know, right now a, a big challenge with a lot of multiplayer games on, on the current VR system is, is just, there's not a, a ton of people out there playing each title. So I, I was just kind of curious, like when you guys were, were trying to figure out, like, is it just you're focused on making the experience the best as possible and, and hope that people will come to the game or do you kind of have to balance, you know, well, we know early on it's going to be difficult to to have players find matches, and how do we how do we provide engaging experiences if that's not going to be possible? Uh, just just kind of curious because because I, the appeal of uh, of Iron Wolf is, I mean, it, and if, to anyone I think that plays the game, it's super apparent that this is something totally unique and unlike anything you've really played before. It it takes it takes any you know a submarine game that isn't in VR is not anywhere nearly as engaging as what you guys have put together. So I, I, but you know, like I said, it's, it's sometimes hard to find players. So what, what do you guys do to kind of try to try, try to get around that? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've come at this from a couple of angles because I, I think it's a totally fair point. I mean, in VR at this stage, there's just not that many users in comparison to um, flat screen games. So the first thing we did is make sure it is playable single player. So we've added a set of assists so that, for example, the torpedo room, um, if you're playing on your own, that'd be really difficult to do. You know, you'd have to be running around a lot and not every player is going to want that experience. So we've made it so you can automate those parts if you wish to. Um, Equally, we've been coming at trying to make the multiplayer easier for people to join. I think this was something we picked up from feedback um, when we first released. And so we've, I mean, we've just recently tried to improve that so people can hop join rooms um, and speak to people before they start the game. And also adding a remake function. So once you've found a group of people that you're playing with, you can remake the mission and restart it. So hopefully that will help as a sort of quality of life improvement as well. Yeah, um, I, I, I saw your, mo uh, sorry to interrupt, but your most recent update had that, right? Where you, where people mm -hmm. could actually jump into a game and then have others join in as the game is already in progress. Yeah. W was yeah. that something, was that something that you guys got from feedback? Uh, were there a lot of people kind of giving that suggestion or was it something you came up with on your own and figured that, you know, I I'm just curious how that's being received right now. How, you know, if that's been exactly what people were looking for. 
Yeah, no, the feedback from that's been very positive because, um, as I say, it's kind of a quality of life feature. Um, I think when we were developing it, because um, we were just, you know, used to hopping into a game with each other, you know, we didn't think about it at the time, you know, because one of us would set up a game, the other one would join and we'd do a test. Um, but then in the real world, if you're setting up a public game, it's not that organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so just making it um, a little bit easier for people to join, um, that quality of life hopefully will help um, the multiplayer community. Yeah, I, I can say, I mean, just from our experience, it was super, it was surprisingly easy to get into a game together. I mean, it wasn't, it yeah, that, really didn't take yeah. any effort at all on our part. Well, in that pre-lobby place of where you're kind of, you're their hands and head and that kind of helps because I kind of immediately can look over and I see, oh, okay, he's in. A, a lot of games don't have that. And um, that, that that helped quite a bit. Very cool. So um, one of my next questions was... Uh, so, well, I, I wanted to get away from, from Iron Wolf for a second, maybe just talk VR in general. Uh, maybe if you could give us a, a little bit more of like your experience with development and how that's come about. And, you know, did you, were you developing a lot before VR and what was the transition like? Okay, so I mean, my background is in academia. So I was, I was doing my PhD in computer vision uh, algorithms, essentially. Um, and then the DK2 came along and that kind of grabbed me. Um, <laughs> I was going to say so that's kind some... of like a, that's pretty directly uh, applicable, right? <laughs> Um, I mean, it can be if you're working on the hardware side. Um, So you see things like inside-out tracking. It's very much based on computer vision. Um, But I think for the content generation, not so much. Um, Yeah, it's a different discipline. But, you know, I I got grabbed by it um, when DK2 came out and made a few hobby projects, um, which was fun. And then, yeah, and that sort of transitioned into trying to make a full product. What what is uh, Iron Wolf developed on? I'm just curious because I I didn't know if it was Uh, Unity. Unity, okay. Yeah, it looks great. By the way, I mean, I was I was talking to Damon oh, and Zane. You. Yeah, talking to Damon and Zane about it before uh, before getting on with you. Uh, one of the things that was very striking, and I know it's it's not super complex, but it's just you don't see it in a lot of games. I think one of the awe moments for me was when I got onto the deck for the first time, and you just see that there's just water all around you. It's very and, and likewise if you if your if your uh, sub gets sunk. It's really kind of scary. The first time you, the first time you deal with it, you really do feel like, you know, what can I do? Why the water's coming in? Like we were tr- frantically trying to, you know, like open up everything to try to see if we could get the sub to release the water, and it just filled more and more. And it, it just, yeah, it's it's a it's a very great look. When you said that you guys had spent a lot of time polishing what was there, I could I could totally tell because I feel like every part of the game that is there it works exactly like you would expect it to and looks great at the same time. So, so I just wanted to, yeah, it's, it's fantastic looking. Yeah. Actually about that. Um, I think the first time I ever jumped into the game, I did, uh, I did like a little gameplay video for YouTube. And so once, you know, once the sub was hit and it started sinking, like I was actually really panicking and trying my best to like play cool in the in the video recording, but like I was just like I have no idea what to do, and this is really you know it it, it just one of the things about VR it just it totally messes with your brain, and I did not like the fact that like the water was rising up, and it just it the immersive feel of it just had me kind of panicking inside, even though I knew like I I could rip off the headset at any time, but <laughs> you know it was just it, yeah. So whatever you guys did there, you know, well done on that. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, it was an interesting part of the game to develop because we were thinking, well, okay, so how do we let the player know that they've died, you know, that the submarine's been destroyed? <laughs> and we thought, well, you know, we can't just fade to black or, you know, you just have an explosion, it's all over really quickly. So we kind of came up with that mechanic because, you know, to represent that you've died in VR, you have to give it more consideration than, you you know, just a game over screen, you know, there's more you can do with that. So it was, yeah, it was definitely um, a fun thing to develop. Well, and, and the- I, I don't... Oh, go ahead, Sorry. No, no. no. I'm not uh, totally versed on subs, but especially the World War II area, but was there any way that they can combat, other than pumping out water, um, (laughs) is there any other way to combat leaks in the hull and things like that? I'm sure there was. I I don't know it historically, but do you know any knowledge of that? And and if so, is that going to be possibly part of the game where you're kind of having to patch a leak? Yeah, so... um, I'll come at that from two sides. I mean, I'm not a historian, so I wouldn't want to comment in too much detail about exactly how that could have been dealt with in World War II. Um, I mean, I think that we've all seen like you know old Navy films where they might close off a compartment. So if that's yeah, flooding, true. then um, yeah. So I assume they might have had a similar mechanic to that, but I'm not. I can commit to that. Um, but in terms of what we're going to have in the game, yeah, we have definitely have plans to add some more damage control. So um, we're looking towards being able to turn valves on and off. Um, so you know, if something's leaking, you'll turn a valve and that will stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also having a pump to push the water out. Um, so that's the the two points that we're looking at to add on the damage control front. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna chime in also, and just uh, in terms of uh, so that sounds like that would be really really interesting, like as far as gameplay is concerned, just being able to you know it, it gives yet another you know another task for your team to be able to kind of manage the damage in addition in different compartments, in addition to to all the stuff that's already going on. I was just gonna say that uh, it's interesting in VR how the anticipation leading up to, you know, your final moments in the sub are so effective compared. I mean, what once once the the submarine's full of water and you know you're dead, kind of like you said, f- a fade to black isn't nearly as scary as, you know, seeing the water kind of rise. Like once once it's over with, you know, okay, I can breathe, like I'm <laughs> I, I it it I guess, you know, it filling up with water is okay for me. But but while it's happening, there's a very visceral reaction. I think yep. that that as it's getting a little bit higher and higher, you're feeling less and less comfortable. So it's kind of I think once it, yeah once you you're able to put some of those gameplay elements in there, I think it would be really cool to kind of manage you know that that kind of fear with with you know the relief that you would probably get from seeing that okay my efforts are are not in vain. I'm actually you know. You know, it, it would probably be, feel pretty awesome to somehow, you know, save your team, save the sub, and also get out of a jam. You know, I, I think that sounds really cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, they talk about horror in VR, and I feel like this is, <laughs> this is it, right yeah, up there with all those other games. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of opportunities of like just people just screaming at each other, like, just, you know. We don't have that in a lot of VR, where just people are just going rampant at each other, like "You gotta do it, save us!" Like, this is fun. <laughs> have you had any of that playtesting where you've seen people working together? What was the? How many is the maximum people that can be in a game at a time? Yeah, I, yeah, that's actually one of my questions, is because we we jump in and we we usually just join our own private group with the three of us, but it seems like uh, you can have more, right, Phil? Yes, I mean the maximums four at the moment, um, and. 
we're looking towards adding more stuff for people to do because i think if there's four people at the moment there might, might not be enough stuff to keep everyone busy all the time mm-hmm. um so i think as time goes on and we flesh out the systems that are there there'll be more content for people to interact with um i, I think four is a reasonably good number no four is great and, and so just just to kind of Talk about the the teamwork aspect of it in terms of it, you know, being multiplayer. Uh, you know, one of the things that we had mentioned also uh, offline before jumping on the call with you was just how like every every task is rather different, um, and so there's there's really a sense of of a teamwork dynamic that you don't really see. Uh, or at least I haven't seen in a lot of the other really popular multiplayer games. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, obviously you have your military sim shooters and other other types of games out there, uh, but you know, usually one player can dominate if they needed to, but here there's really that sense of cooperation needed across all, you know, all different abilities and all different uh, tasks that need to be done. And then, the, you know, there needs to be that sense of communication as well. So I, I don't know, did, was there any thought that went into that in creating a multiplayer experience or was that, you know, just from the get go, what you guys had planned? And um, yeah, I guess that's kind of my question. Yeah, I think when we, we thought of the submarine as being the sort of topic of the game, we felt that would happen naturally. Um, in order to um, man a submarine, there's there's just lots of different roles, and they're all, as you say, very different. So if you're using the periscope, you can't be driving the submarine at the same time, um, or you know, using a hydrophone. They're, they're all very different and require you know someone to be doing something different at that time. Um, so we, we just felt, yeah, there's a nice lot of variety there between all the roles. Um, but the other thing we did, we didn't say, okay, at the beginning of the game, you have to choose I'm the gunner or I'm the I'm the guy who drives yeah. the boat. Um, we wanted to leave that really fluid so players could kind of decide between themselves. And it's interesting because in playtesting, we observed you get people just kind of naturally making a role for themselves, but it might be different, you know, between each group of players. Um, and that fluidity was something that we were really keen on. Phil, uh, that's the other big thing about the game that I noticed is the barrier to entry the it's it's not it's not it's not difficult to get in and the tutorial actually is 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 quite good and you can get hop in and start playing relatively quickly you still have to get you know used to what everything does but it seemed like it's 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 a game that you we, we were able to get in pretty quickly and talk it out amongst ourselves you know what does this do what does this do and kind of get up and running rather fast, but not so fast that the game is simple. It's not simple by any means. So that is something I think is missing from a lot of games where they're either huge learning curves and they require lots and lots of work, like say Onward, where you really have to put a lot of time and energy in, and then games that are so simple that after five minutes, you kind of mastered it. So this, I think, this, I think it strikes a really good balance. Yeah, and it's a really hard thing to get right. And I mean, we weren't sure if we got that right right up until the moment it was released and the community was starting to play with it. Because um, when you're developing, you know, you kind of, you know how each system works mm-hmm. and you've used it thousands of times as you're developing. So you're always questioning yourself as to, is there enough detail in this? Or is there, um, is it way too hard? No one's going to understand what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was something, as I say, we had that uh, big block of testing before we released. And we really iterated a lot with um with our test group and that helped a ton you know the um, testing it was the thing that brought it to that point where as, as you say it's um it's uh, what's the expression you want it to be easy to play but hard to master and mm-hmm. that's what we're going for yep. really with exactly. every decision we're making in the design of the game yeah how I, many were in your test oh i wanted to ask phil just real quick how ahead. many were if you can reveal it how many were in your testing group like how many different people were your core <laughs> testing 
so unbelievably it was it was three people um wow. who are a test group um but the thing was we we were fortunate and we knew them in real life so we could let them test and then have a skype call with them mm-hmm. and go for in detail their experiences mm-hmm. um and they were great you know they wrote up big reports and everything they did recorded themselves the audio of themselves while they played and they were, they were fantastic um and it really it took it from something that me and aaron have been doing by ourselves for many months and then having people go through it in that kind of detail and feeding back to it just made it a much much better game at the end of it because things that seemed so logical to me and aaron because when we were developing it we just kind of got into that thought process and the test was like well why on earth does it do that um and we were able to make those adjustments before we bought it to early access which i think really helped um make it understandable when we released it was there anything from that that initial test group that kind of stuck out to you as like very memorable in terms of like them pointing out uh an improvement to the game where for you and uh for you and aaron it was just like oh wow like uh, we did not see that but it makes total sense now I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, I think we generated probably, I mean, hundreds of changes during that process. Um, so I'm trying to think if there was anything really specifically um, that we had. Um, I think for some reason we decided that when you're reversing the submarine, the sub would turn itself around. I, I don't know why we did that, but we did. And the test is why we on earth it doing that. And um, we got rid of that quite quickly. <laughs> 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 no, it's it's funny to also see just like what what comes out of groupthink when you have, you know, a, a team of people kind of trying to tackle a problem. Because I noticed I noticed when I played myself before, you know, just alone trying to figure out all the systems, um, I didn't quite under it's not that I didn't understand everything, it's that, you know, I think trying to figure out all of the different systems at once is kind of like oh my gosh like you can tell this is made for you know obviously a single person can't really man a submarine right so so it, so it's just kind of fascinating once you're once you're in a in a group of multiple people in the sub all of a sudden things are more spread out and and uh, you know Zane kind of you know explained explained to me how to, how the mapping worked and you know cuz I, I when I had played by myself I wasn't 100% sure like where I, how to find targets and and all of that kind of thing and it was just it, to me it's really cool to be able to to get in with a group and see like different minds kind of approach different systems differently. So I I didn't know if that was anything like when you guys were, when you guys had, you know, if you guys had tapes of, of, of your, of your testers kind of, you know, trying things out for the first time. If you, if you ever noticed different people kind of reacting differently to different things and, and those kind of, (laughs) yeah, I think, I think the feedback we got was that people enjoyed working out the systems um, that it was a part of the experience. Because yeah. um, when we were thinking about how to tutorialize it, it's quite tricky. Because if we went through in everything in complete detail, it'd be a really long tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people would get quite bored during that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of surprised us. But if you give people enough to kind of have a, a reasonable idea of what they're doing, mm-hmm. they seem to then enjoy working out the rest and sort of piecing together the puzzle of all the um, bits and pieces that are there. And I mean, that was the, the main thing that it was kind of surprising to us. Because... Yeah. Um, yeah, we were thinking, okay, how do we tutorialize all this stuff? But yeah, if you give people enough of an introduction, they just seem to run with it. Yeah, you're right. Because it, it is, I mean, it, thinking back to my first experiences, especially in the game, it, it is rewarding to feel like, okay, like I, I, I learned from the tutorial, but I also figured out how some of this stuff works on my own. You have that sense of, okay, cool. Like I'm, I'm getting this. I'm, I'm moving along. Like I, I accomplished something. So that, Ron, that is... Ronnie. Yeah. 
so sorry to interrupt um but isn't it weird how like vr it it lends itself very well to being able to be in a in an online group with people and explain things so much quicker than you could in a regular like just a first person shooter where maybe you have voice maybe you don't you're gonna have to type it out oh go over there flip this switch do that do this Mm -hmm. In VR, it's so much more natural. You've got your hands. You can talk to somebody. And go here. This button here, you know, does this. And if you move this lever, lever it's going to do this. And it's so much easier. Just us on the ship, it was easier to look and watch you. Oh, for sure. Point at stuff and go. This is what does this. And that, to me, it makes it more immersive, and it makes more like you actually were in a ship or, or on a submarine, and well, someone yeah. was explaining to you day one. You know, new recruit. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because I mean, when when you and I were kind of going through some of the stuff, like you said, we were, you know, pointing at different gauges and different displays and, yeah. and, 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 ex- and explaining to each other, oh, hey, look, if you look, you know, if you, if you, if you move, if you look at this gauge here, it shows you, you know, how far you've submerged and this and that. And, and you're right, like it being in VR with someone else being able to actually show, I, I don't know if you could if if you could speak to this at all phil i mean in terms of especially all of those visual cues which which as damon was pointing out like becomes really essential when you're in vr to kind of you know the interfacing in general is quite a bit different and more natural i'd say in in vr to kind of just use your environment as as cues for for what's going on in the game um it was it difficult to program all of those different visuals to to be accurate to what was going on with the sub, like, you know, how, 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 how much, you know, air you're releasing and how it affects the, the, the submarine versus taking in water versus, you know, a, a working periscope, all of those kind of, I mean, cause it seems like there were, there are so many systems that are relying upon each other to, 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 you know, adequately uh, drive the submarine. I'm just kind of curious how how hard that was to to develop. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's certainly the most complex piece of software I've ever worked on. Um, but as you say, there's lots and lots of systems, and they all inter they're all interrelated. So if you make a change to one, it can f- affect another. Mm. Um, so that was a challenge. But then doing it for VR, that was another challenge on top because you've got all these analog controls all of a sudden. So I mean, one thing before we started the project, we didn't appreciate was say with sound design. If you move a lever, that's the player driving the sound. You can't just play a sound effect of, oh, a lever's changed. You have mm-hmm. to make it related to how f- quickly the player's moving it and um, also give them haptic feedback while they're doing that. Mm. Um, so it was those adjustments as well that made it particularly challenging um, you know, throughout the whole project, I think. Um, huh. Trying to give a good VR experience, but as well as coping with the complexity of a submarine as well on top of that. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it just it just shows how how much I'm not a developer because it's, it's the little <laughs> things like that, which really add to the game, you know, where, um, you know, sound, sound design, moving le- levers, how fast you do it and what's happening in like other rooms and the sounds that come out from there. Like, you know, I, I'm in it purely as a, as a consumer and, and, and person who's enjoying the game. And it's, it's like I said, it's the little things that make the game amazing, but obviously it's, uh, <laughs> these are probably the biggest challenges for you to really make it as realistic as possible. Ronnie and Zane, um, the the periscope just the periscope alone i mean it the periscope's amazing like that's one of my most favorite parts of the whole game yeah it's such a cool touch the visual effect of you looking in it it has that kind of binocular kind of sense as you closer you get the better you can see in it it feels real i mean that if just that was the game the periscope and shooting ships 
you could put that on Steam for ten bucks, and people would be like, "Yeah, hey, I like it. It's good. It's fun." <laughs> no, the, the, you're right. Actually, there are games that just focus on one little thing, and you know, it, it's it's kind of a, it's amazing to me, Phil, and amazing to, on what you and Aaron were able to accomplish. We still see. I mean, now we're starting starting to see some bigger titles here and there um, pop up on on Steam for for the Vive, and you know, there games like that, and Oculus, and other systems. But you know, it. A lot of the the gameplay mechanics underneath them are oftentimes not nearly as 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 detailed and in depth as some of the games that we've seen a lot of independent developers kind of be able to implement in their games. And I and, and Iron Wolf is one of them where I, you see what's going on and realistically it's it, it's they're very complex systems really that are all working together in a way that is uniquely suited for VR. Like all of the things that you mentioned are very satisfying, satisfying gameplay elements for virtual reality specifically. Like if 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 it wasn't, you know, if if you were just playing a game with a controller or a keyboard, you know, moving levers and and walking around and kind of managing these systems might feel more cumbersome, I think. But when it's in virtual reality and you're actually it's 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 now you doing it, it, it has a much more, you know, it. It, it it just feels much much more involved and and interesting and, and likewise I think systems that are that work better in traditional games when they're applied to virtual reality can feel the same way all of a sudden you know do these kind of automated um, mechanics just feel boring and dull and if they don't engage in your movement correctly it's just not so so i I was just going to say i mean your game is a is a great example of how i think i mean you guys are the ones really moving the vr platform forward and it's going to be it's games like iron wolf i think that 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 show really what the medium is capable of yeah thanks that's that's very kind of you um i mean for us, we, we're mad about VR, and we we went into it wanting to make a game that we wanted to play. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, I think that meant that we just, you know, every single system, we wanted it to be satisfying to us. We wanted to enjoy it, and we wanted to put as much detail in as we thought was going to be fun for the game. Um, so it was really what was driving it is that, you know, we just, yeah, absolutely mad about VR. And when you've got that passion for something, I think it can, you know, really drive you to sort of... Um, try and come to the best solutions possible for all the various parts that go into the game no that's that's absolutely uh that's absolutely for sure oh let's 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 get back to uh asking you a couple more questions about the game because because (laughs) as you can see damon ronnie and myself the three of us can just really geek out about the game because of how much we're enjoying it but uh, but i'm sure you don't mind uh, at the same time But, it's got um, those core gameplay elements, like like Ronnie was saying. It has really good core gameplay elements, and you and the periscope, the being above the water on the deck with 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 shooting down planes. That in itself is a really cool gameplay element. Mm-hmm. And then you know, actually navigating the ship. It's all, it's taken really good gameplay elements, merged them together, and added that teamwork. And it's it's just a really neat effect. And the VR aspect of it just enhances it a hundred times over. No, couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Um, so just to go back to the, I guess the learning curve that we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, Phil, is there any? Um, well, what was your knowledge of submarines before this? Because I think one of the things that impressed us a lot 
was the fact that the game was, I, I don't want to say complicated. We'll just like, it, it was very involved and, uh, you know, you did have to learn how to use a lot of the different systems. Uh, and it seems like, uh, well, I mean, I, I have no knowledge of submarines, so you, you could have made it all up and I wouldn't have known if that was real or not. But, um, you know, for, for, from for yourself and for Aaron, was there a natural, like, I guess, just interest or passion in submarine well, the, warfare? And even just the research. I mean, oh, if, yeah, the if, research, things if, like that. If, if, because, because, I mean, it, yeah, it, it seemed like you were alluding to the fact that, you know, you, this is just something that made sense for virtual reality. But like Zane was saying, I mean, it, it's very apparent once you're in that everything has a purpose, that it feels like, you know, it, it all makes sense. And, and yeah, we've, we've encountered, I mean, interviewing lots of different VR developers, some people that, that approach this from, oh, I'm a super hobbyist in this niche thing. And I was able to bring that, or sometimes it's surprisingly someone that, oh yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a background in this whatsoever, but it seemed like it would make sense in VR. And then we did the research and, and this is what we, so yeah. So, so, I mean, what was the process like once you guys decided to, that you, that submarines were, were going to be the way you guys, you know, decided to go it, going, going from that idea to actually implementing it in the game. Uh, what, what did that involve? Yes, I think, I mean, we started off once we decided it was going to be a submarine game. Um, we started researching it. So, I mean, I think that involved watching every submarine film we could get our hands on, um, <laughs> any articles, books, various um, mediums. Z um, uh, before we got it, the reason I was laughing was because Damon, before we got on, was like, we should totally ask him what his favorite submarine movies are. So, uh, das Boot. Das Boot all the way. <laughs> and your, and your, your best Sean Connery impression of things don't react too well to books. That's as good as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, continue. So I didn't we, want to interrupt, but I just I, that's no, pretty. no, 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 no problem. Um, so we started off with that. So then we had this this vision of reality, and it wasn't a hundred percent realistic, you know, because we're using films as well, you know. So it's it's trying to find um, the interesting points of um, submarine warfare because you know, in reality, I mean, there's you know a lot of waiting. You know, it's quite a slow process. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, we were taking in some of the reality, some of the sort of popular fiction regarding it. And then thinking, okay, so how can we take this and move it into the virtual reality sphere? Um, so we 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 decided we're not going to be beholden to history or or reality. We're going to take something and make it work well in virtual reality. Um, and that's really been our philosophy throughout the whole thing. It's start with the historical and then make changes until it gets to a point where we're we're happy with how it's working in virtual reality. Gotcha. And just to take a maybe a, a step earlier than that, like what. What was it about submarines that that fascinated you guys? I mean, I, I know you you mentioned um, you mentioned earlier in the interview about how the the room scale and not you know the locomotion aspect, but you know how did your how did your attention even focus to submarines? How did that even get on your radar? No no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard not to make puns when talking about submarines. You just keep on. <laughs> um, but no, so we. I mean, for me, I think we felt it had lots of phases um to the gameplay um so you know first of all you're trying to find your prey as it were something to shoot um so that's one phase that's one set of um, systems to use and then you're going to go and try and sink that or you might be attacked by a plane so there's lots of different phases and then my particular 
thing I was particularly um, passionate about was then you almost have like a horror game unfold if you if a destroyer comes along and starts depth charging you. Um, <laughs> so I think it was all these kind of phases. Um, the fact it worked well as a multiplayer, giving that teamwork aspect, um, just all those ingredients combined is what we felt would make a really compelling experience. No, I mean, and they they do blend together very well. So like uh, like Damon and Ronnie were saying earlier. Uh, you know, kudos to you for for putting something together like this, which which has been such a unique experience, and it's it's grabbed all of our attention. <laughs> that's that's for sure. And so, uh, for especially for people listening, like if if you guys haven't had a chance to check this game out, uh, this is something you should be you know looking into right away. And I know we had mentioned it on a, on a game talk previously, but you know since since that time, uh, I think what we've been able to do is really um, really pick apart the multiplayer and. Get the best, uh, you know. Get really some of the best elements of what the game has to offer, uh, you know, which we've been talking about in this. But um, Phil, I, I wanted to ask, you know, I know you kind of alluded to some things earlier in the interview, but just moving forward, uh, maybe if you can give us an idea, we, we can do short term and also long term vision for Iron Wolf and where where you'd like this game to go and you know what what people can expect at least what what you're what you're able to share i don't know how much of it is uh under wraps that you keep close to the chest but you know <laughs> whatever you can share with us uh i, I would love to hear it okay so i mean we've tried to be as open as possible with the community so we've got a trello board with a whole roadmap um that people can vote on things that they're most interested in seeing developed um because we yeah really genuinely want to interact with the community and uh and um, it's also really helpful for us to have feedback as to, okay, this is the things we'd like, you know, we really like to see. It really helps us inform our next steps with the game. Um, so in the short term for us, um, we're looking at adding more content. Um, so different types of enemies, for examples, so for example, so battleships, aircraft, carriers. Um, on the other side of things, adding new bits to the submarine. So things like the damage control. Um, as, as are things we're looking to add um, that will lead to more missions and more content um, a long-term vision is you have an open world where you sail off you get given orders um, there might be a big naval battle breaking out and you go and try and turn the tide of it um, that's the long-term vision but we're trying to build up the smaller blocks first get them to be really robust and really fun and then we can build that into a larger open world um, towards the end of the development cycle just curious, did you guys ever ever think about having su submarines versus other submarines, like all player controlled? Yeah, this is something that we we get asked a lot, um, and it is something we start to think about more. I think since um, uh, so many people in the community have asked about it, um, but I couldn't give a definitive answer on that at this mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. um, because I mean we've got a very large roadmap that we want to go through, and you know if you keep on adding stuff, you'll you know never finish as it were. Of but, course, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. I would think it's very difficult. I mean, th that that's the aspect of it that's like, how do you work that? Because in a in a sub, that's actually quite difficult to do, right? Yeah, and I think you know we'd have to make it somewhat more arcadey than the current game. You know, you'd have to make more compromises in terms of that. But mm -hmm. the other concern would be if it's PvP, then you have to have the player base to support that, right? So yeah. you have to have enough people that can come in and man the subs to fight against each other. Mm -hmm. So th there's a few obstacles to being able to do that. But it's it's not to say we've completely dismissed it. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's something we're thinking about, but not at a point where we could say, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. 
Early on, you you mentioned, you know, I mean, obviously the the Vive was the first VR headset to come with motion controls, and you know, Steam is a very you know open platform and etc. Do you guys have have any plans to ever bring the title to other platforms, or or is it really just all Vive focused at this point? Yeah, so I, I think in the long term, it's something we'd like to do. I mean, the VR community, I mean, it's it's such a small community. So we really want, you know, for as many people who are interested in the medium as possible to be able to try our game. Um, so that's what we'd like to do. But obviously, we're balancing that out. We're two people. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got to make sure that what we do is of a high quality. So, sure. um, yeah, that's speaking, the balance. But. Speaking to that, if you go on Steam right now, this is ranked 26 out of all the VR games and user reviews out of almost 1,400. So anybody listening at home and you're wondering, you know, about this game, ranked 26 out of 1,400. It's usually always on the first page or at the very top of the second page mm -hmm. uh, for VR games. So, I mean, that, like, you can't fake that. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's well-deserved. It is, it is yeah, well-deserved. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's, that's, that's a big telltale sign. And then... Yeah, the the whole aspect of the of the core gameplay of it is so good. So it's it, it's it's a big testament, and to have such a small group of testers, and then yourself, it's just amazing. And I I don't know, Zane might I might get in trouble from Zane for asking this question. I'm not sure because it might be a little off topic. Uh -oh. But but <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask you uh, more personally. I mean, in terms of your own research, um, because it it sounded like I mean, you said eye tracking and that kind of thing might. Be, it, explain a little bit more about what about what about what you what you do. Um, sorry, I'm a bit lost. Um, oh. my research. Yeah, yeah, you're because like, because I, I just remember it, it. It's somewhat it's somewhat sounding. I mean, you you said that VR can tie in a little bit to to what you do on your day job. I was just kind of curious. Oh, I, I, so so apologies. Maybe I wasn't clear. So um, when we started Iron Wolf, I was I was finishing my PhD with computer vision um, at that point. But okay. I, I I do I do some different work now that's sort of just general is general tech stuff. Okay. Um, okay. Okay, very interesting. No, I just yeah, I, I, it just it was, it was it was all in, about the games. It was man. intriguing <laughs> to me, so that's why I just yeah, just in general, computer vision and uh, it just sounded I yeah, I didn't know much about it, so I was just kind of curious. <laughs> we can we can in trouble we now, can Ronnie. cut we can cut that that section out no, of the never. out Do of the interview. Cut that part, that part was great. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's let's get back to it then, Phil. We want to be respectful of your time. Uh, is there a well? First, before we go on to if, a couple more questions, but um, before we go on to, I guess the the shameless plug and where we'll talk even more about how much we love the game and try to get our listeners on board. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to touch upon or cover or uh, just you know speak to the game, things coming out or stuff in the game that we haven't necessarily highlighted that uh, you think is is something worth mentioning? Um, no, no, I don't think so. No, just to say, you know, thanks for having me on. It's been, yeah, it's been really fun. So thanks for that. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed playing the game and, you know, we're going to keep on working at it and improving it as time goes on during early access. Very cool. And is there, is there, well, I don't know if it's, is there a schedule? Is that what we're thinking? Like, how, what is there, yeah, that's what is there an idea ask. for how long to be in early access? Give or take? Uh, we don't have a hard limit on that. I mean, I think we're looking at about six months, but we'd want to have got through everything on our roadmap 
to call it the end of early access. So yeah, we'll see how long that takes. Um, as I, say, I did have let's see high. I had one other question too, Phil. The, the the gamers that are out there now, how have they been communicating to you their experiences, glitches, what they're finding? How are you communicating directly with the players? So what you two doing? forms. Um, so we've got Steam forums, um, and we've also got I did the Discord server for the um, for the game. So that's a okay. bit more real time. Myself and Aaron are often often on there, and we can talk to people as they're playing, which is awesome. You know, because if we release a new patch and there's a bug, we can get really quick feedback and ask questions about what's happening, so we can fix it really quickly. So um, yeah, that's the two two main ways. Okay, gotcha. cool. Yeah, that seems to be very popular. Discord, Dante. Uh, from onward, he uses it. He's on it twenty four seven. So yeah, it seems to be quite popular with developers. Yeah, there's there's now. several games that that have been using that. So, uh, and and it seems it seems like a lot of the uh, the people in VR who are active and and trying to give that feedback and be people who are testing out in the early access phase are using it as well. So, uh, for anybody who's listening that wants to be more involved in the game, now you have uh, or the game development side. Uh, now you have a way to do that both on the Steam forums and through Discord. And this leads to, uh, I guess, uh, the last question, which is just uh, a shameless plug uh, opportunity for you. I mean, obviously, we have we we are going to put the um, a link to the game in the, the show notes. So, guys, make sure you check that out. Uh, again, I mean, this comes highly recommended by myself, Ronnie, and Damon. And uh, obviously, you can see through the reviews and such, uh, but... Uh, Phil, was there anything else uh, that you wanted to mention? I, 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 I also ask usually now where people can get in touch with you, but uh, I guess this is a place for you to plug any any links or social media or stuff like that if you want. Um, yeah, so we, we have our Twitter accounts. Um, so let me look up the handle for that. <laughs> you caught me a bit off guard. So it's INI Studios is our Twitter. Um, you can also follow us on YouTube, which is, um, I believe, the same. Um, that's where most of our media comes out. But whenever we could do a big patch, um, we we tend to put a Reddit post up, and that's um, uh, usually where the most active discussion about anything new that's coming out uh, will happen. Have you been approached as far as competitive gaming by anybody, or or is that on the landscape? Like, because this is definitely something that you 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 could get a competitive feel for it, or, or a not a professional gamer, but you know a, a competitive feel or. A, you know, involve more vendors in it, things like that. Has has anyone came to you and approached you with that kind of idea? Um, no, no, they haven't. I, it's just as far as esport games go, like it's kind of its own thing. It's definitely something new. Mm. Um, doesn't it's definitely outside the the norm. Breaks the mold. Yes, yeah, and although with, I mean, competitive games, again, I think you come back to this um, player base, when you see the really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. large competitive games, yeah, yeah. they have huge player bases that are able to to drive that scene, um, but I mean, I hope it does happen in VR, because I, I love esports, I'm yeah. a really big fan, but um, I think, it'll, you know, it'll take a little while to have that kind of player base behind it to be able to drive an esports scene. Very cool. So, well, we we have your your Twitter now. We have uh, the Discord, Reddit, Steam. So, any place that you guys want to get in touch with Phil, you guys know how to do it. Phil and the team, Phil and Aaron. Um, but Phil, thank you so much for the time. We uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we will we will not stop helping you promote the game because uh, we love it a lot, and we want <laughs> we want more people in there to play with. To be honest with you, thank you so much. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, definitely keep in touch, and uh, we hope to uh, to catch you again very, very soon. All right, then. Bye. <laughs>